Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Good Friday. Before we think about God's word to us today, why don't we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us clear minds and open hearts as we think about your word to us today, this Good Friday. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier this year, I read this book, Against All Odds, by Craig Challen and Richard Harris. And it describes itself as the inside account of the Thai cave rescue and the courageous Australians at the heart of it. Many of us will remember Harris and Callan, both experienced cave divers, and they were heavily involved in the rescue of that junior Thai soccer team, the Wild Boars, back in 2018 from a flooded cave. And as a result, they were jointly awarded the 2019 Australian of the Year. The book is a really interesting one and it makes compelling reading. Let me refresh your memory of the events of 2018. On the 23rd of June, 12 members of the Wild Boars team, aged from 11 through to 16, and their 25-year-old assistant coach, entered the Tam Luang Cave after soccer practice. Not long afterwards, and unexpectedly, heavy rains fell and partially flooded the cave in which they'd entered, uh, trapping the team. When they didn't come home that night, the alarm was raised and attempts at locating them in the cave were undertaken. And the first question that had to be answered was, were the boys still alive? Two days later, on the 25th of June, some Thai Navy SEALs entered the cave, but strong currents and low visibility uh, prevented their efforts. Now, apparently, uh, from reading the book, I understand that cave diving is quite different to open water scuba diving, and it requires a particular set of skills. And so within a few days, British and US divers turned up, some of whom were experienced in cave diving. News crews gathered and the events as they unfolded were beamed right around the world. Then, after more than a week on the 2nd of July, the boys were found alive by some British divers who travelled four kilometres into the cave. So the boys were now located and there was great rejoicing. But the second question was now, well now that we know where the boys are, how do we get them out? I mean, they're four kilometres into a cave. Getting out required scuba diving equipment and skills. The currents of the water in the cave were quite strong. Water visibility was low, zero in parts. And some sections of the cave were extremely narrow. One section was approximately 37 by 72 centimetres. That's about that distance and that distance. Imagine diving through that in the dark with scuba gear. So it was a rescue mission that really stopped the world. Now, today is Good Friday. And Good Friday is a time when we think about Jesus's Good Friday rescue. Now, Good Friday reflections can sometimes be, uh, I guess, quiet and sober. And that's quite an appropriate thing as we reflect on how much Jesus suffered on our behalf. 
But Good Day Friday reflections can also be more celebratory as we look back with gratitude on the success of the rescue mission which Jesus undertook and consider what it tells us about God's love for us and its impact on us. And it's this second more celebratory approach that I'd like to adopt this morning as we draw upon sections of Luke chapters 22 and 23 and a few other sections of scripture as well. Now, many of you will have out, um, downloaded the outline uh, from the website. And as you can see from that, we're going to think about Jesus's Good Friday rescue under three headings. Firstly, that it's appealing. Secondly, that it's true. And thirdly, that it's relevant. Uh, and that is certainly something to celebrate, as we shall see. So let's start by considering the fact that Jesus' Good Friday rescue is appealing. I mean, we all love stories of heroic rescues. Think of the evacuation of the Allied troops from Dunkirk during the Second World War. Or some of you may remember the rescue of baby Jessica McClure from a well in Texas back in the 1980s. And the Thai cave rescue certainly falls into this category. The rescue was badly needed because the boys trapped in the cave were in great danger. The rescue attempt also involved great danger as the rescuers had to dive through kilometres underground in dark flooded caves. But the rescue which they finally settled upon was highly ingenious. You see, various options were considered about how to get the boys out of the cave. One option was just to leave the boys there for a number of months until the monsoon finished and they were just ferrying in water and food for those months. Another option was to try and teach the boys how to scuba dive and then get them to scuba dive out. Another option was to search around for an alternative cave entrance, which probably wasn't there, or the possibility of drilling a shaft from above down into the cave and getting them out that way. All these options were considered, but were then dismissed. And this is where the Australian Richard Harris really came into his own. See, Harris went over, he was an experienced cave diver, but he was also a doctor. In fact, he was an anaesthetist. And uh, his skills were crucial in the rescue, which were then unfolded. You see, the plan was for Harris and Challen and a few others to dive deep into the cave to where the boys were. And then one at a time, they'd put the boys into scuba gear. Then uh, Harris would give them an anaesthetic to knock them out. Uh, and then they would tie the unconscious scuba diver clad boy to an experienced cave diver who would then swim out with the boy attached to him. And at various stages on the way out, the anaesthetic would have to be, um, I guess, re-given to keep the boys unconscious. This had never been attempted before. It was highly risky, but to many people's surprise, it ended up being entirely successful. Every boy and the assistant coach got out alive. Now, Jesus' Good Friday rescue is in many ways similar to the Thai cave rescue, but as great, and I do mean great, as that Thai cave rescue was, Jesus' Good Friday rescue exceeds it in every respect. As with the Thai cave rescue, Jesus' Good Friday rescue was badly needed. You see, the Bible teaches what most of us pretty much already know, at least in part, uh, most of us have a very real sense that things on this planet are not as they should be. Uh, there are perpetually wars taking place somewhere on the planet. Closer to home, uh, there's the tragedy of domestic violence, 
something which very sadly has gone up in our current stay-at-home COVID-19 world. But there's numerous other things. There's bullying in the school playground, bullying on the internet, bullying in the workplace. And then there's more everyday forms of nastiness, sibling rivalry, harsh words between spouses, office gossip, etc., etc. And let's face it, you and I, we're all involved in this, aren't we? I mean, some of us uh, watching may have committed crimes. Uh, others of us have just committed all the more standard forms of wrongdoing. You know, whereas uh, all of us have done so many wonderful, loving and noble things in our lives, all of us, if we're honest, have done, have said and thought things which we know aren't pleasing to God. It says in the book of Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, or all of us have engaged in wrongdoing. Just imagine if everything we'd done, said and thought was publicly known. Everything we've done, what about everything we've said and what about everything we've thought? There is one thing I really hope they never invent, which is a mind-reading drug. Imagine if you knew exactly what I was thinking all the time and I knew exactly what you were thinking all the time. Can you imagine the horrible things that people would learn about the way our minds work? Now, I guess with all this not-as-it-should-be-ness in the world, there is the associated shame we often feel, the guilt we feel, the separation from God which we experience, and the judgment of God which we come under by this sort of forms of wrongdoing. So here's the problem, and this is why we need rescue. You see, God is perfectly good, loving, and just. Because he's just, he must hold the guilty to account. But because he is loving, he also desires to show mercy. Now, how can God do both for us? How can he be both loving and just at the same time, given the wrongdoings which we've been involved with? You see, if God was just just, we'd be left in our shame, guilt, isolation and under God's judgment. If God was only loving to us, uh, you know, he... He might just sort of say, oh, it's all fine. But then that would mean that the guilty of this world will get away with it. And none of us want the guilty of this world to get away with their crimes. Now, here's the ingenious thing about Jesus' Good Friday rescue. You see, the solution, the ingenious solution, is referred to by Jesus in the Luke chapter 2 reading, which many of us would have just heard. And it's, this is a solution which satisfies both God's love and God's justice. You see, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is eating at the Passover meal with his followers on the night before his crucifixion. And this Passover meal involved eating bread and drinking wine. Let me read from Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. It says, And he, that's Jesus, took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. It seems that Jesus uh, is saying that he himself is the Passover sacrifice. He is the means by which our wrongdoings can be dealt with. And the next day, the giving of his body and the pouring out of his blood actually did take place in his death on the cross. And this was the means by which people's shame could be removed, guilt could be removed, relationship with God could be restored. 
You see, Jesus on the cross took what we deserve so that we don't have to get what we deserve. And in this way, both God's love and justice is satisfied. It's ingenious. But this ingenious solution uh, didn't just involve danger, as in the case of the Thai cave rescue, it involved certain death, Jesus' death on the cross. And like the Thai cave rescue, but even far more significantly, it was entirely effective. It was successful. It says in the scriptures that Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. So we're forgiven, our guilt is taken away, our shame removed, and our relationship with God can be restored. Now, this is what the Bible calls reconciliation. And this truth is hinted at in Luke chapter 23. In Luke 23, 45, we read about how around the time that Jesus actually died, that uh, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now, uh, the curtain of the Jewish temple was, uh, the temple was a very significant building, uh, and there was a curtain in it which symbolised the separation between people and God. God was so holy, he couldn't just be approached. The curtain separated people from God. But at the time of Jesus' death, this curtain was ripped in two, symbolising or suggesting what the Bible makes clear elsewhere, that thanks to Jesus, we can now have direct relationship with God. We can go directly to him in prayer. What a wonderful thing. Now, the Bible teaches that anyone can receive all these benefits of the Good Friday rescue, the removal of guilt, the removal of shame, the forgiveness of wrongdoings, uh, restoration of relationship with God, along with a promise of eternal life and all forms of assistance in this life now, by asking Jesus to forgive us and saying we want to follow him. Now, why? Why would God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have put this plan into effect at such great personal cost to Jesus? Well, it's because the whole thing was motivated by love. Love can sometimes be defined as a self-sacrificial commitment to the good of another person. And that sort of thing is really appealing. And the fact that God shows that sort of love to us is incredibly appealing. Or at least I think it is. Now, the sad truth is that not everyone sees it that way. Some of you may have heard of Richard Dawkins, the English uh, biologist and atheist. And he finds this idea of the Good Friday rescue particularly unappealing. I've heard him say words along the following lines. This is Dawkins. Here we have a God who wanted to forgive mankind its sins. Why didn't he just forgive them? Why was it necessary to have a human sacrifice, to have his son tortured and executed in order that the sins of mankind should be absolved? Is that not the most disgusting idea you've ever heard? Those are Dawkins' words. You see, Dawkins taps into our, quite right, hatred of things like human sacrifice and parental abuse. But you see, it's not like that here. You see, God the Father and God the Son both voluntarily went into this. And it wasn't easy for them. It wasn't enjoyable. It was horrible. But he did it out of love 
for us, his self-sacrificial commitment to our good. Now, if God had simply overlooked the wrongdoings of humankind, it would be like saying that all those things, that, that those wars, that bloodshed, that domestic violence, those abuse, the bullying, the nastiness, etc., etc., that they didn't matter. But of course they do. Actions have consequences and bad actions have just consequences. But isn't it incredible that God can take the consequences we deserve upon himself? He did that for us because he values us so much. How appealing is that? But Jesus' Good Friday rescue is not just appealing, and here we move on to our second point more briefly. The Good Friday rescue is true. Now, how do we know that things are true? How do we know that the Thai cave rescue was true, that it happened, that it was effective? Well, firstly, the Thai cave rescue was highly public. There were 10,000 people, yes, 10,000, involved in the rescue. Secondly, it was well documented. There were media everywhere reporting on what took place. And the reports and the testimony evidence about it was reliable. You see, if one media outlet or one witness gave false, uninformed or even lied about what took place, the other witnesses, the other news reporting agencies would have corrected it. And we can similarly see that Jesus' Good Friday rescue is similarly true on the same grounds. You see, Jesus' crucifixion was highly public. It was carried out amidst full public scrutiny in Jerusalem. And we can read about that in Luke 23. Secondly, his death on the cross was well documented and it was reliable. You see, the existence of Jesus and his death on the cross, his, his crucifixion, are documented in both Christian sources and non-Christian sources. There are the Christian sources, some of which are in the Bible, the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, for example. But there are also non-Christian writings which talk about Jesus' existence and his death. The Jewish historian Josephus from the late first century speaks of Jesus and his death. And the Roman historian Cornelius Tacitus from the beginning of the second century similarly does the same. And there is no ancient historian today who doubts the existence of Jesus and Jesus' death by crucifixion is similarly well accounted for as well. Why don't we go a bit further and just push forward a few days into, into Easter? How good is the historical evidence to show that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, there is very good historical evidence to show the following things. Jesus died on the cross. He was placed in a tomb. The tomb was empty a few days later. Jesus' followers claimed to have seen the risen Jesus. These followers' lives were transformed, and many of them were prepared to go to their deaths, asserting the truth uh, of their claim that they'd seen the risen Jesus. Now, if one is open to the idea of God existing and there being a supernatural uh, element to life, it is certainly rational to conclude from this evidence that Jesus, in fact, did rise from the dead. But if someone says, there is no way there is a God, I refuse to believe in the supernatural, then regardless of what sort of evidence comes their way, they will say, well, whatever, there has to be some other explanation. But if there is God there, which there is good reason to believe, uh, the evidence for the resurrection is very strong. 
You may wonder, how do skeptical, non-believing scholars who look at the evidence relating to the resurrection of Jesus, uh, how do they deal with it? Let me quote from a guy called Ed Sanders. Ed Sanders is an American New Testament scholar. I understand he, he's not an evangelical Christian, as I and we here are. But here's what he said about the resurrection of Jesus or the evidence relating thereto. He said that Jesus's followers and later Paul had resurrection experiences is, in my judgment, a fact. What the reality was that gave rise to these experiences, I do not know. He's in effect saying that all the evidence points towards a resurrection, but I don't really believe that that can take place, so I'm going to call it resurrection experiences. But what these experiences were, I don't know. So I guess it suggests there is very good reason to accept the truth of not only the Good Friday rescue, but the Easter Sunday resurrection. And uh, if you'd like to think about this further, feel free to contact me or we cover it in our church's Christianity Explained course as well. So we've considered the appeal of Jesus's Good Friday rescue, the truth of Jesus's Good Friday rescue. Let's now think about the relevance of both the Thai cave rescue, and then Jesus's Good Friday rescue. Firstly, how relevant is the Thai cave rescue? Well, I guess its relevance really depends on who you are. If you are one of the boys who was rescued or a family member or friend of one of those boys, it would have been incredibly relevant, wouldn't it? If you were one of the rescuers or part of the rescue team, it would have been very relevant to you. If you were a citizen of the country of Thailand, where this took place, or perhaps if you were a cave diver somewhere in the world, the events of the rescue would have been somewhat relevant to you. But if you're a citizen of Australia, as I am, the account of the Thai cave rescue is really interesting. It's even quite inspiring. But to tell the truth, it's not hugely relevant to us. We are interested bystanders. Now, the same cannot be said of Jesus's Good Friday rescue. You see, we're not interested bystanders there. We, you and I, are in fact the objects of the rescue. And to use a metaphor, we are either in the cave needing rescue by Jesus, or we were in the cave and have been rescued by Jesus. You see, the rescue applies to everyone. Jesus makes this very clear elsewhere in that very famous passage of John 3.16, where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, this rescue applies to everyone. The question is, have you received the benefits of Jesus' Good Friday rescue? You see, if you have, we're out of the cave now and we should be feeling great relief and great gratitude to God. Now, I've had um, challenging times in my life in years gone by, periods of time, sometimes for a year or two, which I haven't particularly enjoyed, which I'm very grateful that, that no longer applies to me anymore, that I've gone, I've moved past it. But sometimes I've found myself dreaming at night that I'm still back in one of those difficult, awkward, challenging situations. And I'm there amongst it, and it's just unpleasant or horrible, depending on what the situation was. 
But then when I wake up, I think, oh, thank goodness. That was years ago. That's all in the past. That was just a dream. I'm no longer there. Now, if thanks to God's grace, you have been rescued from the cave by Jesus, the way we feel today should be like that. Gratitude that we're no longer back there trapped in that cave of shame, of guilt, of isolation, under judgment and experiencing all the pain and confusion relating to it. That's in the past. That's gone. It no longer applies to us and we can feel relief and gratitude this Good Friday. But there may be some listening today who realise that they are still in the cave. They realise that they still need to be rescued by Jesus. Now, if you want to be rescued by Jesus, if you want to have your wrongdoings forgiven, your shame removed, your relationship with God restored, to look forward to eternal life and to have help in this life now, the thing to do is to thank Jesus for dying on the cross in your place, to ask him to forgive you and say that you want to follow him. And the Bible assures us that if we do that, Jesus will drag us out of the cave and we're rescued. Or if you just want to think further about this, about uh, these claims and these truths, could I encourage you to contact me or one of the other members of staff? Or you could do the Christianity Explain course, which we hope to offer online next term. Let me conclude. The Thai cave rescue was certainly very inspiring. And for a while, it seemed to almost stop the world as we waited for news on it. But whereas that stopped the world, Jesus' Good Friday rescue changed the world. Not only has it revolutionised society, but has entirely turned around lives in their millions, including mine. Jesus said on the night before his crucifixion, he said, this is my body given for you. And this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus's Good Friday rescue really is something to celebrate. Let me pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that today we can look back upon and reflect on the Good Friday rescue. We are full of gratitude about it and thank you so much. But we also pray that if we or someone else is thinking about receiving that rescue, that they would do, do so today or alternatively discuss it with someone today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.